Latino Conservation Week begins on Saturday, July 16th. SUA will be hosting and participating in several events. Please check them out at latinoconservationweek.com. We hope to see you there. We're also celebrating Latino Conservation Week on the Wild Utah podcast. Tune in on July 18 for a special feature about Red Rock Wilderness Conservation, Cultura, Herencia y Querencia. Welcome to episode 36 of Wild Utah, the podcast of the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. I'm Dave Pacheco. In this episode, we talk about an exciting new endorsement of the Campaign to Protect Wild Utah. On April 29, 2022, at their 117th annual convention, lay and clergy delegates of the Episcopal Diocese of Utah passed a resolution in support of America's Red Rock Wilderness Act and Grand Staircase Escalante and Bears Ears National Monuments. To talk about the resolution and understand why activists in the movement to protect wild Utah are so excited for this endorsement, we have three people from the Episcopal Church in Utah. The Very Reverend Tyler Doherty, the Dean and Rector of St. Mark's Cathedral, Ron Barnes, a longtime member of St. Mark's who serves on the vestry and is chair of the Creation Care Subcommittee for the Episcopal Diocese of Utah, and Forrest Kutch, a Ute tribal elder, senior warden at St. Elizabeth's Episcopal Church in White Rocks, Utah, and a member of the Creation Care Subcommittee. We thank you all for joining us. Let's start with you, Tyler. Tell us a little bit about the Episcopal Church and its history in Utah. Dave, uh, lovely to be with you. The Episcopal Church in Utah has a, a long and storied history going back to uh, 1867 when uh, Bishop Daniel Tuttle arrived via stagecoach and um, immediately began serving the least of these in Salt Lake City, the cathedral itself, uh, first services in uh, 1870, and really has been uh, one of the longest uh, houses of worship in continuous use here in the state of Utah. One of the things that Bishop Tuttle is known for is service to mining towns throughout the state. So he uh, traveled all over, often by horseback, serving people who were in difficult situations. And and it's no mistake that out of his uh, ministry here in Salt Lake, uh, the hospital, uh, St. Mark's Hospital, um, as well as uh, St. Mark's Roland Hall emerged. So a, a strong emphasis on going to the margins, seeing what's needed, and kind of serving from that place of loving encounter. Let's bring in Forrest. Forrest, you're out in the Uinta Basin in eastern Utah. We welcome you again. For our listeners who may not be familiar with you, Please introduce yourself. Give us a little background of your personal story, living on traditional Ute tribal lands, your work at the Office of Indian Affairs, and tell us what role you played for St. Elizabeth's in support of this resolution. Hi, I'm Forrest Kutch. I'm a member of the Ute Indian tribe. I was born and raised on the Uinta and Ore Ute Reservation in Northeastern Utah. I grew up on a farm with cattle, 
horses, chickens, and an array of other animals. I've always loved animals, especially horses. I was blessed with a quality education beginning at Wasatch Academy and ending at Westminster College in Mount Pleasant and Salt Lake City, Utah, respectively. I have had a very rewarding 38-year career in numerous jobs, including 13.5 years as a director of the Utah Division of Indian Affairs, where I had the pleasure of working with seven tribal governments of Utah on various issues and challenges facing them as sovereign nations within the boundaries of the state of Utah. I was raised Roman Catholic and practiced traditional native spirituality in the form of the Sundance and sweat lodge ceremonies. I joined the Episcopal Church in 2017 after hearing presiding Bishop Michael Curry give a talk at the Dapple Water Protest in North Dakota. I chose to assist in acclimating our new priest to our parish, Father Michael Carney, shortly thereafter. I'm doing my part in supporting our church's commitment to caring for the earth. Ever since I met Jane Goodall in 2002, I've dedicated my time to supporting my native brothers and sisters and protecting the earth. Jane asked me to serve on a nonprofit board, Pax Natura, which means peace with nature in Spanish. It is dedicated to preserving rainforests throughout the Western Hemisphere. It does so much more since that time. I have served on this board ever since. I was particularly moved by the speech given in 2017 by our presiding Bishop Michael Curry during that Dapple water protest in North Dakota. That was the deciding factor in my decision to join the Episcopal Church. Let's turn to Ron Barnes. Ron, tell us about the origins of the resolution that recently passed. Yeah, Dave, uh, the, the origin story for the resolution is twofold. I'm a longtime Episcopalian, a church that honors God's creation in our common worship, liturgy, and scripture. And I'm also an activist for Utah Wilderness Coalition and SUA. I could see a connection, especially here in Utah, by bringing the Episcopal Church and other faith communities into an important conversation about the protection of public land in Utah. It's an important next step for this project. I discussed the idea with Father Tyler, and he was all in from the very beginning of our conversation. I then met with uh, Brandon Burningham, our parish chancellor, and he and I drafted the precursor of the resolution that was passed by the diocese, and it was first confirmed by the vestry at St. Mark's Cathedral in August. Then I asked Bishop Hayashi if we could study the issues of public land and climate at the Peace and Justice Commission, where Forrest and I both serve. After study and outreach, we brought the resolution to our annual convention in April. We were all overjoyed when the lay and clergy delegates passed the resolution with unanimous consent. So, Tyler, explain for us the scriptural reasons for the resolution. Yeah, so one of the ways to think about why the Episcopal Church might want to advocate for wilderness is to understand that when 
Jesus asks the question, uh, who is my mother, brother, and sister? He's not just arguing for an expanded notion of human family, but also for an expanded and really all-inclusive family that embraces everything everywhere. We, in our baptismal covenant, talk about that we're members of, of one body, and we recognize that when you look at one thing, you discover that it's hitched to everything else, right? And so everything being bound up with everything else is kind of part of the, the root of our, our witness, that all things come into being in and through Christ, and that we recognize that we are members of, participate in uh, what we would call a sacramental reality, that our, our lives and all of creation are woven together in a sacramental fabric that the world is indeed, as like Hopkins would say, the poet charged with the grandeur of God. And so it's kind of from that all-inclusive one-body awareness, uh, awakening, whatever you want to call it, reality, that we serve and witness and advocate. And it's something that actually our, our liturgy, the life prayer, shows us, right? The more deeply you go into a life of prayer, the more you see that everything is indeed one body. So it's not just a, a you know, notional assent to some kind of conceptual truth. There's a spiritual reality to which we are awakening and serving from. Tell us a little bit about your understanding and your recollection and telling of the biblical story of Jesus' journey into the wilderness and how that weaves into the Episcopal Church's support for this resolution. Yeah, I, I mean, as you know, wilderness is a very charged space for Christians for encounter with God. Jesus goes into the wilderness, and some gospels he's driven into the wilderness right after his baptism. Wilderness is, first of all, kind of a place of testing where there's these temptations to power and control affection and esteem, seeking safety and security. And each of those is seen through in the wilderness where Jesus recognizes, realizes, awakens to his dependence on God and God alone. And the early Christians, the desert mothers and fathers, same thing. They fled the excesses of Rome to the Egyptian deserts to pursue a life of silence and solitude and almost to a person, they built their little hut, they started weaving their baskets, and they started to watch their heart and their mind, and they noticed that they were the same person in the wilderness that they were in the city, and that there was some, some work to be done. So wilderness in the Christian tradition is kind of a, an invitation to surrender, an invitation to clear seeing, of the habits of mind, body, and spirit that you know, hold us captive and prevent the flow of love in our life. And it's this big open space where we see where we're caught and trapped in patterns of self-centeredness, greed, grasping, exploitation, and slowly learn, slowly in my case at least, learn to 
let go and release and be a little better member of the family that we recognize ourselves to be a part of. One of the things when people are confirmed into the Episcopal Church, and also if they're already confirmed, whether they like it or not, four times a year, we reaffirm our, our, our baptismal covenant. And the, one of the lines in there is, will you uphold the dignity of every human being in your work for freedom, justice, and peace? And there's been a, a lot of discussion about the dignity not just of every human being, whoever they are, wherever they come from, whoever they happen to love, all that, but also the inherent dignity of each and every one of God's creatures, that there is an intrinsic value to each and every member of creation that is non-negotiable, that should be upheld, preserved, regardless of its uh, use value for human beings, right? So things have an intrinsic value regardless of their use for us. And that's a big part of why I think the uh, Episcopal Church is so excited about witnessing to the preservation of this wilderness is that it makes this grand statement that the world's not just about human beings and what they need to take from the earth, but that each and every aspect of creation has an inherent dignity that should be open to, celebrated, preserved, and helped to flourish. It's not just human flourishing that God wants, but the flourishing of all creation. We're sort of walking what we call this way of love into loving, life-giving, and liberating relationship with God, with each other, and with all creation. So it's this, this all-inclusive picture of flourishing is what God intends, we believe, for us and for all creation. And that's our part to play is to allow that flourishing to take place. Well, that was a very eloquent response, Tyler. Thanks for sharing that with us. Ron, do you have something to add to the scriptural reasons for the resolution in your words? Yeah, I think it's important that the the resolution is grounded in Christian liturgy and scripture. But I also note that Episcopalians have a long legacy of environmental stewardship, supporting SUA and the Sierra Club, for example, enjoying being outdoors in our deserts and mountains. In fact, our third bishop, the Right Reverend Franklin Spaulding, was the first person to ascend to the summit of the Grand Teton in 1898. So Utah Episcopalians were really on board early on. With the resolution now, we stand shoulder to shoulder with the Utah Wilderness Coalition as an all-in partner for the protection of the 8.4 million acres of BLM wilderness in Utah. We're all in for climate science, for 30 by 30. We're all in for wildlife habitat and migration corridors, for saving the pinyon pine forests in southern and western Utah. And we're all in for Bears Ears and Grand Staircase National Monuments. So, Ron, what was your role in this resolution? Why did you get involved in the effort? And what does this endorsement mean to you personally and spiritually? Well, I've lobbied, as you know, at Congress with SUA 
for the last several years, and I've witnessed in meetings with congressional staff that we need more support for America's Red Rock Wilderness Act here in Utah and for the national monuments. In meetings, we realize that 100% of our congressional delegation here in Utah is opposed to America's Red Rock Wilderness Act, yet polling indicates that 70% of Utah supports it. First of all, the Episcopal Church is part of that 70%. I knew that this would be something early on that the Episcopal Church might support, and I hope that our voice will make a difference. The Episcopal Church's support is very important, but it's only the beginning of what we hope will be a coalition of faith communities in Utah standing together in support for public land protection. Personally, this endorsement is confirmation that there's many powerful voices throughout the Beehive State, voices that support the incredible public lands in Utah. Spiritually, I suppose, this endorsement by the Episcopal Church tells me that we, collectively, are doing God's work, standing, witnessing, and working to protect this fragile earth, our island home. Let's get back to you, Forrest. From your perspective, as both a Native American and a leader at St. Elizabeth's Episcopal out in White Rocks, what do you think is the importance of this resolution? The um, Red Rock Wilderness Resolution represents our church's stand to join Native people going back to 2017 and Bishop Curry's inspiring talk to meet the call of our Lord to protect God's creation, our home, our earth. I give many presentations on this subject, and I make the claim that it is almost our purpose as Native people to stand in the way of destructive progress in order to protect the earth. Well, my people, the Native people of the Western Hemisphere, have always understood and practiced the understanding that we are all part of creation, the creation of God, and that the earth and all of its living creatures are a part of creation. And consequently, they represent our creator. We are all part, our spirits are part of creation. We are part of God. And it is so important to us as native people to always keep that connection. We did not create the earth. God, our creator, created the earth, and we do not have a right to destroy it since we did not create it. It is sacred, and we must hold it sacred at all times, and we must love and appreciate not only God the Father as we were commanded by Jesus, but we were also commanded to love each other as ourselves. We think that all of these things are interconnected, and therefore we practice them regularly as part of our daily habits to honor the earth and honor one another, and most of all, honor our God, our creator. And like I asked Ron, uh, what does this statement by the church about protecting in wild places in Utah mean to you personally and spiritually? Uh, let me begin by saying that first of all, uh, my observation has been that most native people of the Western Hemisphere 
not all, but most, are basically socialist and egalitarian. And they are very simple in their connection with the earth. They see everything as being spiritual and connected to the earth. Now, what happened on our reservation is that over time, our reservation was reduced from like 4.8 million acres. I've heard the reference being 4.2 also, but at one time, the two reservations, the Uena and Ore combined, was almost 5 million acres at one time. And in 1905, um, Congress opened up the reservations to homesteaders, and national forests were also created. So about 70% of the land was lost. In fact, we ended up with half a million acres after all this was done, and the reservation was broken up into a checkerboard fashion. And then in 1948, the federal government returned half a million acres to the reservation, to the youth people. And so the total acreage now is 1.3 million acres. And the first thing our tribe did, our tribal council, the business committee, the first thing they did was designate most, not all of that 500 million acres, but most of it to wilderness. They did that because they, they saw what progress, um, so-called progress, how it damaged the land in so many ways and changed it and basically um, removed it from <laughs> what it once was. And so their initial effort was to protect the sacredness of those lands. And to this day, in fact, it is one of the most wild, uh, scenic, and beautiful parts of Utah. I think most of it, again, was declared wilderness, and it's been protected. There's been no speculation or development with oil and gas on those lands. And they are pristine, beautiful, and full of beautiful wildlife. And so that's the way I perceive our people's response to wilderness is that we try to protect the sacredness and the beauty, the aesthetic beauty that God has given. Our creator has given us beauty and sacredness, and it's our job to protect it. And Ron, what, if any, signal do you hope other denominations in Utah and elsewhere might take from the Episcopal Diocese of Utah's actions on this resolution? We're in communication with many um, leaders of other faith communities already, and um, we hope that if any are listening, they'll give us a call at the Cathedral Church of St. Mark, and we'd be happy to welcome any and all faith communities in Utah, whether Christian or non-Christian, and joining us in support of a protection of public land in Utah, especially for America's Red Rock Wilderness Act, and bringing into law uh, the, the eternal protection of Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monuments. Well, Reverend Tyler, Ron, Forrest, uh, we thank you for your support and leadership on this resolution. It is greatly appreciated. We thank you for all you've done and will continue to do. And we really appreciate you joining us today. Wild Utah is recorded at SUA's main office in Salt Lake City on equipment purchased through the generosity of our members. 
SUA is primarily member-funded. Over 90% of our revenue comes directly from people who care about protecting Southern Utah's Red Rock country. We're proud of that because it keeps our voice independent. If you'd like to help protect Wild Utah today, please head to SUA.org and click the Donate button. We appreciate your support. Wild Utah's theme music, What's Worth, is composed by Moab singer-songwriter Haley Noel Austin. Our interlude music, Chuck's Guitar, is by Larry Pattis. Post-studio editing and production is by Laura Borshevsky. To stay informed about current events at SUA, visit us at SUA.org and click on Get Involved to discover how you can join the movement to protect Wild Utah. To receive information and alerts via text message, text the word Utah to 52886. Again, text the word Utah to the number 52886. Follow the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance on Facebook, on Twitter at Southern UT Wild, and on Instagram and TikTok at Protect Wild Utah. And be sure to subscribe to the Wild Utah podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. Visit sua.org forward slash podcast for additional ways to subscribe and to access our archive of previous episodes. On behalf of SUA, I'm Dave Pacheco. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We hope you can join us for the next episode of Wild Utah.